As we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, we've preached through uh, not comprehensively everything that's in Corinthians, but through a lot of the things here. And now we are coming close to the end. 16 chapters in this, in this letter. And in chapter 15, there is a very clear, distinct agenda topic. And the topic is the resurrection. And I get to this topic and it's like, all right, should we... We, we were planning, well, well, that'll be our next topic. We were talking about this. Let's make this our, one of the topics and a couple more, and we'll be done with 1 Corinthians. And, and I told Jerry the other day, I was like, okay, it's the resurrection. I feel like it's one of those topics, like when I get to, uh, to preach on the love of God, it's like, what do you do? We all know and understand the love of God. What do I have new to say about this? Well, how am I going to preach this? Because here I stand before a group of people, and presumably everybody who is here believes that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and on the third day he was resurrected again, he came back to life. And that makes sense to us because we all believe in God. And certainly the resurrection is key to what we believe, but what what is the importance of the resurrection? Why... What do I say if I'm to stand and preach about the resurrection? I've grown up believing in the resurrection. It's there, you know, and that's, why is it important? What do I have to say about the resurrection? What are we to believe about the resurrection? What, what should inspire me to get before a group of people today and say, you need to know about the resurrection, what would you do? Do you have thoughts? The resurrection. What about it? It's almost like, well, yeah, it happens. So, so what? what? What do we do with that now? It's interesting, though, then on, um, and Jerry and I kind of talk through a bunch of things, and this sermon is uh, it's going to be explosive, you know, so, <laughs> well, maybe not that explosive. Ryan keeping me on my toes today. <laughs> Almost scared me. No, it wasn't you. Somebody else. Well, listen, the idea of the resurrection, we, I, I studied with, Jerry and I talked in, on the telephone on, actually it was Wednesday this week, wasn't it? But then on, on Thursday, I was meeting with Nick. Nick and I were talking, and he didn't know what my sermon was going to be about. And Nick starts talking, to, and he's just discussing some things he's been uh, thinking about and, and, and watching and viewing on YouTube. And he, was, and he just started talking about the resurrection of Jesus, how unique it is, and how, how integral it is to our faith, and it's everything. And here was Nick teaching me about what I needed to know to present to you. And it is, it's everything. The resurrection is everything. And, and in a passage we're not going to look, look at too much, except for right now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, um, verse number 19, as he kind of concludes discussing the resurrection of Jesus, he says, If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. 
there's, if there's no resurrection, everything's pointless. And that's, we need to realize that. The resurrection is of first importance. The resurrection of Jesus is everything. If we believe in God, then it comes down to this one moment, and that is when Jesus is in that tomb. Is he going to stay there or not? Because there were plenty of other people and leaders of religious movements, and they went to a tomb. They died. But we have one who did not stay there. Jesus was raised from the dead. When we come and gather around the table every Sunday and remember that Jesus died and gave his life for us, that he died, um, as we're going to look in 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 3, that he, Christ died for our sins. That's what we're remembering at this table. He died for our sins. The power of his death for our sins is meaningless unless we know that he truly was the Messiah. He was the Son of God. He was God himself in the flesh. And death could not hold him. And since death could not hold him, everything that he has said and done is true. And the fact that he died to take our sins away, we can trust that to be true. And if in fact he hasn't been raised from the dead, if there was no resurrection then all that we do and all that we think, it's all pointless and worthless. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and which you also, which also, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word, which I preach to you, unless I believed in vain. So there's that idea of vanity. It's all, if, we, if, if it's not real, it's all empty and worthless, then, well, that's a vain thing. But the fact is, and forgive my quick little summary of verses 1 and 2, anytime you try and summarize the scriptures, I feel like I should apologize because it's, uh, you can't summarize it, but the thought that's there, the gospel will bring salvation if you stick to it. The salva- salvation that comes through this gospel, this gospel is important. And if you stick to it, it will save you. The gospel will save you. So what is the gospel? Chapter 15 of First Corinthians, verse 3. For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to all the twelve. So here is this threefold picture of the gospel, and I kind of add a fourth dimension to it, because without the fourth dimension that he gives here as of first importance notice the most important part of the gospel the very basic message of the gospel is number one christ died according to the scriptures pretty basic right this is it christ died 
And 1 Corinthians, he's specific. He died for our sins according to the scriptures. Number two, he was buried. Number three, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul kind of repetitive here with this idea of according to the scriptures. Doesn't that seem like maybe it's important? According to the scriptures. He died, was buried, and was raised on the third day. That's the gospel. This is first and foremost. This is what we need to know. This is what we believe. This is because we believe it to be true and the the most basic and important truth out of all the other truths that are in this world. This is more important than two plus two. This is more important than what Shakespeare wrote. This is more important than how to build a rocket. This is the first and foremost important bit of information in all the world. Jesus Christ died for our sins, was buried, and was raised. And because we believe that, we will proclaim it. And we believe that because it's been handed down to us. And so I want to, I want to continue in uh, reading verses 5 on, on down to verse 11. Because here it is, it's, it's this idea of this message has been transmitted to us. And these people are reliable. We're going to get to that later. But these things have been written, passed down, and shared by the eyewitnesses, the ones who saw it in the first, first hand. So that we can believe. Verse 6. After that, after appearing to Cephas in the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. Most of whom remain until now. But some have fallen asleep. So some have died is what that means. Verse 7. Then he appeared to James. Then to all, all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Now I'll pause here just for a second. He appeared to Paul after he had already ascended into heaven. His appearance to Paul was, Paul picks up in, in Acts long after uh, the, the, uh, Jesus has ascended and he said, God is, Peter has given the first gospel sermon and perhaps years later. Then he appears to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then he appears to Paul later, according to Galatians, in a revelation or several revelations during a period of three years. Read Galatians chapter 1. So he appeared to Paul last and to one untimely born. Verse 9 says, For I am the least of all the apostles and not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me, whether then it was I or they, the witnesses. So we preached, and so you believed. The eyewitnesses preached. The eyewitnesses shared the message of what they had seen. And what they had seen, what they knew to be true, was Jesus died for our sins. He was buried. And he was raised on the third day. All according to the scriptures. 
So why is this so important? And I got two little points here. Uh, there's probably other things perhaps even more important than what I have here, but why, why is this important? Why is the resurrection of Jesus, what's the, what's the big deal? We know a man raising from the dead is important, but others have been raised from the dead too, right? There were people in the Old Testament who had been raised from the dead, a couple. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ is vital. Number one, the resurrection proves that Jesus was the Messiah. This is why we can trust and know and believe what we believe about Jesus. Jesus, the resurrection, it, it just proves who he said he was according to the scriptures. Look at Acts chapter 2. Go to Acts chapter 2, and this is little bit lengthy of a passage here but it's it's an interesting sermon this is the first gospel sermon and it centers on the resurrection the resurrection is is everything jesus died buried and resurrected why was the resurrection so important and you're going to hear as as peter is given this first sermon to a bunch of people who knew their bibles knew the old testament they knew the scriptures And his point is that the resurrection proves that Jesus was the Messiah. So let us read verses 22 all the way to 36. And keep understanding and hearing the the idea that Jesus was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was the promised one to come. In other words, he's the king of the Jews. Just as it said on the cross, he was the king. Men of Israel... Listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. So listen, you hear that? According to the scriptures. That's what he's saying. According to the scriptures. This was a prophecy. This was all planned. So a man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Now listen to that. Putting an end to the agony of death. Death loses its hold, though I don't have it enumerated here as one of the reasons that the resurrection is so important, but here it is. Peter's telling us the resurrection is power that was displayed, on display, that Jesus has power over death. Eternal life only comes through Jesus. Verse 25. For David says of him, so he's going to keep going about the the resurrection. For David says of him, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you 
will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made it known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. So there was a quote of one of the Psalms of David, and it is talking about the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who was to come, the chosen one, the one they were longing for and waiting for, that death would not hold him. Verse 27 of Acts 2. Death wouldn't hold Jesus. Death would not hold the Son of God. Jesus had power over death. He was the Messiah because Jesus was raised from the dead. It proved this prophecy came true in Him. Jesus was the one. Everything written about Him in the Old Testament, it's all proven. It's all pointed to Jesus in His resurrection. Let us keep reading verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you that the, regarding the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And because, and so he, because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his, one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. That he was neither abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh suffer decay. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, which he has poured forth, this which you both see and hear. So in other words, Jesus was resurrected from the dead, then he ascended to the Father, and being at the right hand of the God, he sent the Holy Spirit down to his people, and they were all witnessing this. The Holy Spirit at work that day was evidence that Jesus was now in heaven because he sent the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. The resurrection that he was talking about, talking about, talking about, he was resurrected. The resurrection points to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. He was resurrected, so you know it's Him. This is the one who was longed for, forecast, and it's all, all of Scripture is fulfilled in Him. He died according to the Scriptures and was buried and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. The resurrection proves that Jesus was the Messiah. Number two, the resurrection ushered in the last days when everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So the resurrection of Jesus just points to the fact that we can be saved. In other words, death isn't going to have a hold on us. 
This is why this is so important, and this is what we'll be talking about next week. But we all have the opportunity to be saved. So I work backwards in Peter's sermon. Verse, uh, verse number 16 uh, in Acts chapter 2. And Peter says there, But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above, and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into be blood into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the great and wonderful thing that the resurrection brought, the Messiah brought, and when he died and he sends his spirit, it's a, it's a sign of the last days. The last days began. Long time ago when Jesus ascended into heaven and sent his spirit down here to live with us. It ushered in the last days. And in the last days, not just the Jews will be saved, but anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. So when we think about the resurrection of Jesus, we think about, all right, when Jesus was resurrected, there was this great and wonderful message through the Messiah that it is delivered to everyone that Jesus died for you. To everyone, all of us, all of us Gentiles. None of us uh, probably descended from uh, the line of Shem. We're not Israelites by blood, but now we have the opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. Why? Because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Because Jesus came, died, was buried, and was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now the question comes, which I think should be asked and addressed, is, well, why should we believe? Why should we believe the words of this book? And there's all kinds of different ways you can attack the message today. You can, you can say, well, Jesus never really died. He was the old swoon theory. Or, or perhaps it was lies made up by, by his disciples. And, but, you know, or, or this is no longer reliable. It was uh, this, this message that you claim is 2,000 years old. It's been... Messed with and fiddled with all through the years. That's 2,000 years. All kinds of crazy things can happen. So, why believe? And let's go to Scripture to talk about this. Let's first turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And here is, this is credited to Simon Peter, the Apostle of Jesus Christ is how he opens the book. And he says, For we did not follow 
cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we received, when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from, the he- made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Peter refers to this event where he was at, the Mount of Transfiguration, and he heard those words. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Hear ye him. This is Jesus Christ. It's not, the gospel does not follow cleverly devised tales. It's not made up. The Bible itself declares this, and then you've got to figure out some logical ways to consider, well, am I going to believe Peter or not? Well, I want to believe Peter because I attribute this to Peter, and I know Peter ended up just as all the other apostles were willing to do and perhaps did, they gave their lives for what they believed. This is true. It's not cleverly devised tales. It was the truth. No one will die for a lie. It's not a made-up religion where they're just making up silly stuff and hoping people believe it, trying to gain power. It's not a good way to gain power when you end up on the... uh, the side of death, because of that message. That's not power according to the world, but it's power with God according to the truth, yes. And it's interesting because the gospel's unique in this regard. That was Nick's point. When I spoke to him the other day, it's, hey, this... You don't have any other religions who claim this, let alone a religion that actually has somebody with eyewitnesses that are so verified all through Scripture and all through history that this is true. The gospel doesn't follow a bunch of wives' tales, cleverly devised tales, as Peter says here. It is the truth. According to number two, it's God's prophetic word. Um, according to the scriptures. Here's where I'm going back to as we looked above number one, two, and three. According to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, he died. He was raised. That's all in scriptures, written hundreds of years before it happened with great detail about him. We've been studying uh, the Psalms, which are undeniably, there's nobody that has any sense in this earth who would claim that the Psalms were written after Jesus came. But the Psalms were written and they spoke about Jesus. All of the scriptures spoke about Jesus with great detail. God's prophetic word, according to the scriptures, is reliable. It's reliable. It's true. It's trustworthy. Whatever you want to put in there. You can count on it. So stick with it was his point at the beginning of this chapter. Look at verses 19 through 21. And here's the other way you can point this out. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. The prophetic word made certain. 
to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's the only way you can explain this book. You might have in here some place where you're like, I don't know if I understand that. How can that be? Maybe this isn't trustworthy. You might have places where you kind of get that thought. But the overwhelming evidence, and you read through it, and you read through it even when you're young, even before you understand all of it, and you see how it all starts working together, you see that this is true and reliable. And the only way to explain this story, which is the story of God in relationship to humans and how we can be right with God, and who we are, and who made us, the only way to understand life is through this book. Everything else will leave you wandering, uncertain. The other religions that might have cleverly made up things and um, some wisdom in them, they don't have Jesus. They don't have eternal life and salvation. We believe Jesus was raised, number three, because the 11 apostles were changed by the resurrection. After Jesus died on the cross, they were kind of like, oh no, what? They were, they were afraid. They ran away. They were worried. They were together in a locked room trying to figure out things. Trying to, oh, these ladies have come and say he was raised from the dead, and this doesn't make sense to us. But then. At the resurrection, when Jesus comes and shows himself to them and explains things to, to them, it changed them. They were changed. They went forth from that day and understood the scriptures. They understood the resurrection is what provided them the proof that they needed to know that everything in the Old Testament was prophecy about Jesus and if they were looking for a king to lead them and conquer Rome, they realized, oh, now there's something much bigger. There's a greater enemy that needs to be conquered. The enemy of sin, the enemy of death. And Jesus was king over those things. You can look and read a little bit about that in Luke 24, verses 44 through 49. In Acts chapter 1 Starting in verse 15 about Peter who suddenly uh, who got all kinds of things wrong before. Now he understands that the Old Testament scriptures told them what to do in their current situation. The, the psalm that we looked at last week at our Sunday morning Bible class. That's all about Jesus. So we need to follow it. So we need to appoint somebody to take the place of the office of the one who had turned against Jesus. So they replaced Judas. And number four, the witnesses are reliable. That's what 1 Corinthians was about in chapter 15. We trust that the resurrection happened because the witnesses are reliable. I want to jump to, um, and they knew that what the scriptures pointed to we're true. But I want to go to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. 
And just read the beginning of Luke. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, I think I said 14 a second ago. You guys don't want to hear that much. It's already time to end, isn't it? Listen to this. This is, ask yourself, is this reliable, what you're hearing here? And after Luke writes this, this account, uh, then we have, I went to the wrong verse, sorry. Then we have all these other accounts that point to the credibility of what Luke found out. Inasmuch, Luke chapter 1, verse 1, inasmuch as many have undertaken, many, this is what began the, the church. This is, this is not disputable. This is, there would be no church if this weren't true. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses, and servants of the word, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order. Most excellent Theophilus. Why is he doing this? Verse 4. So that you may know the exact truth about the things you have been taught. And all of us sitting here, we can all search and find and learn and know that we have the truth. And the resurrection of the one who died for our sins, we can know that we have the truth. We believe Jesus was raised from the dead. And lastly, their testimony has been faithfully transmitted to us. No ancient document for uh, things from... Uh, Shakespeare, who was relatively, I don't think you'd call uh, Shakespeare a, an, an ancient document, but probably stuff older than the, him. But we, even Shakespeare, relatively modern, we have more documents, more manuscripts, more pieces of paper that have writing about the scriptures on them than any other document. I was reading an article this morning, I shared it on the, the, um, the church, the public Facebook page. And it says if you took all of the fragments, all of the manuscripts, papers that have the uh, information about the New Testament, the New Testament documents, that it would stack up a mile high. Most, uh, most st- stuff, if you learn about Homer and you, wanna, you, you read about these ancient texts and you want to find out what they said, well, there's, they got stacks of documents too. They don't pile up, but maybe a foot. But the documents we have, the proof and evidence that we have, that all works together, shows that we have a reliable Word of God. The Bible that we have in our hands can be trusted. I don't care which translation you have. They all come together. They all work together and point to the same thing. Jesus died He was buried, and he was raised again. We have a unique faith. We have access to the truth that will save our souls and the souls of all those around us. Let us believe this message. Let us trust the resurrection of Jesus. Let us be like the apostles and be changed by it, knowing this is all that matters in the world. 
This is the important thing. Everything else pales in comparison. And this is true. Live your lives for Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Christ, I encourage you today to make it the day that you give your life to Him, that you're immersed into Him and believe in Him. Even though you haven't seen Him, you can search and know that it is real and true and trusted. If you need to respond, won't you please come as we sing number 616.